0: Henry Clay Frick's wife sprained her ankle so badly that she had to be hospitalized in Italy. As a result, they missed the transportation. What a sad story. The couple might not be real familiar to most, but for one reason. This hospitalization prevented the couple from boarding a ship bound for America, the Titanic. Often we have spiritual myopia, We look at the short term in our physical world. We see what is immediately ahead of us, and most of us miss any sort of a bigger picture. As a result, we sometimes wonder if we can trust God to do what's best. We might think we could control circumstances better, but we don't have His vision. We don't know what's ahead. So that traffic jam you got into this morning may have prevented you from getting into an accident just down the road. God orchestrates such events because he has the big picture and he knows what he wants to accomplish. As God asks you every day, Do you trust me? What will be your response? Hello and welcome to God's Word for You for today from Liberty Lake Church. Today we have a special message by Pastor Shane Fries. We will be looking at several passages, so take out your Bible. And start by opening it to the Old Testament book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. And follow along with Pastor Shane as he shares his struggles of needing a bigger view of God in the message titled, God, What Are You Doing?
1: I'm going to keep trying. It crossed my mind just to let you keep talking and then I'd pray and we'd be done. No? No? Point number two. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was praying really hard about what to share this morning, and Todd let me off the hook, and he just said, tell us what you're, going, what you're doing and uh, what you're studying. Uh, because as I, as I was praying and I was working through the text, I'm, I'm actually in Ruth on our Thursday night service, and I'm such a goofball. I thought to myself, well, I'm going to pull up just a simple, small book Something, because I'm waiting for Doug to finish Ephesians, and we kind of got ahead of him, and and uh, we teased him a little bit and just told him Dave and I were more spiritual than he was. That's why we could get through it so quickly. Um, but we're obviously joking. But uh, So I'm like, four chapters, not a problem. We'll just whip this thing out. It'll give me a couple of weeks, and we'll be covered. And I've spent two weeks just trying to get an introduction to Ruth together. Um, and I still don't think I have it done. So you're getting like episode issue 2.0, and there's probably four or five more to come. Um, but I'm going to share with you uh, what God did in my life over the last two weeks as I've been trying to get an introduction for the book of Ruth together. Um, and so at some point, you may feel like I'm creating more problems than answers, or at least creating more questions than answers. Um, but that's okay, because that's what happened, and you're going to get that. Um, So, and I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I uh, light has been an issue, so I I was looking for to see if I could turn on more light. Um, But we're in Ruth. At any point in your life, have you guys thought to yourself, "Man, what is he doing, the Lord?" Um, not not the guy in the street. (laughs) I know on the on the road we think that all the time. But I'm thinking in our lives, have you ever thought to yourself, "God, what are you doing?" This makes no sense to me at all. It's not anything like I would have asked you to do. It's not what I've been explaining to you uh, how I think you should be doing it. Have any, anybody else been there at any point? Right, It's not an uncommon thing for us. I gotta imagine that at some point there were people at this time when, when Ruth was writ, or when Ruth lived that people were asking some of the same questions. Um, and even as we look at the book of Ruth and some of the things that we're going to see in here, I think it's right for us to maybe have that response. I'm only going to read the first five verses in Ruth. If you would turn there this morning, we'll we'll jump into that. But we're actually going to spend. Very, very little time here in this text in getting set up for this introduction. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These two uh, these took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Mahlon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Boy, sure sounds like it. Lord, what are you doing moment, doesn't it? What are you doing? Well, the first thing we have to do in an introduction, and this is where I got in so much trouble. Make sure that's not the Lord. Because if I got this wrong, we're going to start over. Um, I actually turned my ringer off so he couldn't get me. Uh, No, the... um, we started in Judges, but you have to go back, right? The book says that this is the time of Judges. So I went back and I started reading Judges. And I tell you what, that wrecked my life. I spent a week reading through Judges and there was times where it, I actually, uh, my stomach was turning, reading some of the things that happened in Judges. It's unbelievable the horrificness of the people of Israel at that time. And I'm convinced that there's moments where I'm reading that text going, oh, those wretched people how could they be so evil and horrible look at look at how uh, judges ends judges chapter uh, 21 verse 25 it's like one page back in your bible if it's if it's stacked there in those days there was no king in israel everyone did what was right in his own eyes judges 17 verse 6 in those days there was no king in israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's the nation of Israel. At this point, there's a great famine in the land and there's great sin. If you jump back farther into Judges, this will just... it's, It's a point that we look at in the text of judges that repeats itself multiple times. I actually didn't go through and count. that's I, I gave that as homework to my Thursday night crew. I said, go you need to go through and count and see how, how often does this happen? How often does this pattern repeat? But if you look at judges chapter 3 verse 7, this is right after the death of Joshua. Verse 7, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. So he sent a judge, Anthoniel. Uh, verse 12, we pick up again after onthiel's death, and they had rest for 40 years. We pick it up in verse 12, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Egwon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And it repeats over and over again. And over again. What a marvelously horrible time in the nation of Israel. And in the midst of that, here's Ruth and Boaz. A picture of Christ coming as a kinsman redeemer. In the midst of this horrible time of Israel, there's there's this little picture of love and redemption that is spectacular and amazing. And what's so cool about it, and this is one of the spots where i just like, not how I would have done it, Lord. But Ruth is the great grandmother of King David, right? Do we know who Boaz is, the, the, the man that marries Ruth? Do you know who his mom was? Rahab, the harlot from Jericho. Huh? Wait a minute, Lord. You're telling me that you're going to use the prostitute and a Moabite woman in the line of King David. Who then we know, if you look at cha- in Matthew chapter 1, you'll actually read that king, in D- king David's line is Jesus. So the coming king, the coming Messiah, his family line is a little jacked up. It's got human issues. They have human people in their family. And in their history. And I got to tell you, as a good Christian, I, I, I've sat down and I went, okay, Lord, now I get it, you're God, and I'm going to say you're right. But if I were planning an ancestral line of kings that would lead to your son, I would have probably picked the best of the best. You guys wouldn't? Wouldn't we? I mean, if we're lining stuff out, we're going to go for the best possible scenario. We want the, the most spiritual people, the most noble people, the most honorable people, those who don't violate the law, those who do all the things right. You know what I became convinced of this week? They don't exist. He did the best with what he had, it's spectacular. And then in the process of wrestling through this, we have Moab. And, and again, I'm going to share with you just a challenge. It. it was something that I ran into this week and I just went, oh, Lord, I don't know if I really like this. But in Deuteronomy, it's Deuteronomy chapter 23, um, God lays out some structure and he includes the Ammonites and the Moabites not entering the assembly of the Lord for up to 10 generations. Not 10 years, 10 generations. 10 generations. And I thought, being a good legalist, David doesn't qualify, right? His mom's a Moabite. How is David okay to to be in the temple? And we know that he does because we see it in 2 Samuel, or or, uh, end of 1 Samuel. And then we see uh, uh, Jesus reference it in the New Testament about him entering. I'm like, okay, I'm, what, how are you doing this? And that's one of the points where I, I, I ran into this wrestling moment of going, God, I'm not sure if you can do that. And so I spent an entire week. I'm running around reading other people's thoughts on this, and I'm, I'm running through other parts of Scripture going, no, 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 the, you, you're not following your rules. You, you're not. I'm pretty sure. Any, and I, I really did. I had a real frustrating week. Because there's a point at which I think in all of our lives that if we recognize who God says He is in the Scripture, we have to come to a point of humility that says, I don't get it. I really don't understand how you're working this out in accordance with who you are and your character. Um, And and I remember a moment, uh, it was actually about a week and a half ago, I was reading the text and I just stopped and I said, okay, I give in. You're God, you're infinite. I don't completely understand this. When you're ready, would you show me what the heck you're doing? But at this moment, I'm going to trust that it fits your character and it's all right. Do you know that that transferred into other spots in my life that week? Imagine that. That I would have a spot in my life where I'd have to go, okay, I don't understand what you're doing, Lord, but I'm going to trust you with it today. Because you're infinite, and you're sovereign, and I don't get it. Surprised me. How? He does that so often. Um, One of the great moments and joys for me in this text, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. I know you're like, man, Shane, you're all over the Old Testament. What is the deal? Well, we're in Ruth. And that's in the Old Testament. And it's really amazing i got to show you something. I, uh, and again, um, you need to know, part of the joy and, and excitement for me in the text right now is seeing all the spots where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament, where, where it points to who he is, the character of God, that when we look in the New Testament, we go, oh, that's Jesus, that's God. We like it. We like the grace. We like the forgiveness. We like his long-suffering patience and all of the things, the mercy that comes. We love that part of Jesus. What I'm enjoying so much right now is seeing all of the spots where this happens in the Old Testament. Because I grew up for many, many years thinking the God of the Old Testament was a very mean, harsh God that would strike you down if you broke the law. That's that's just what I thought. It was how I grew up thinking about him. And once again in my life, I realized I'm wrong. And it's amazing what God does in this process. Look in chapter 9 of Jeremiah. And look what he says. Verse 23 of Jeremiah 9. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love Justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, and the sons of Amnon and Moab, and all who dwell in the desert who cut the corners of their hair. For all of these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart this is in Jeremiah, and what we see, I believe what we see in this and what we see God testify in Ruth as he begins this story and as he, as he presents to us in a dark time of the nation of Israel, the line of hope that comes and that is maintained through his covenant to Abraham about a coming king who will reign and who will bring peace to all nations is that God is looking for people with more than just the appearance of righteousness, God's looking for people whose hearts are surrendered and committed and, according to this, marked by Him. That's a tough one. Because we're really good at the appearance of righteousness. Aren't we? I mean... Let's just take a moment and everybody say whatever the one thing you said this week, even if it wasn't out loud, about something that happened during your week. We'll all share those words this week together. Anybody in? What? No? What about at work or smash your hand or your kid does something or that clown on the road repeats a behavior that endangers your life? What happens in our hearts at that moment? Would we be willing to come and share those with one another on a Sunday morning? No, we don't want to do that. You guys would think I'm worse than you think I am now. Who wants to let that out? But the reality is that God's looking at our hearts. He knows what's said. Look at Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus takes the whole concept of the law, and he says, by the way, gentlemen, If you look at a woman to lust after her, you're committing adultery. If you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of murder. Kind of wipes out the whole appearance of righteousness stuff. It's about a heart issue. And even in the Old Testament, he was looking for hearts that belonged to him. It was an amazing thing. We're going to look at Isaiah 55 here in just a minute. And I was reading the context of that which what I love to do, and I've been challenged by this in in my study, is to read a little bit before the text that I want to use and to always read a little bit after the text that I want to use so that I get it right. Um, And what's so amazing is you have to read Isaiah 56. When we finish today, before you eat lunch, your spirit will burn within you now because I'm telling you this. Uh, You have to read Isaiah 56. It's an amazing thing. It's actually about God redeeming foreigners. And here I've been spending this. I spent a whole week. <laughs> Lord, I don't know if I don't know if Ruth can be in Jesus's line because of Deuteronomy. I, I I think that my interpretation skills of what you wrote are so incredibly good that I'm going to challenge your view on this. Now I'm being a little dramatic on that. That that's really I was wrestling in my heart, going, God, I want to get this right. I I, I really want to. I want this right. How how is it that you can do? what I think you're saying and in, in, in all this stuff happening and, and I was just wrestling with him. And then here in Isaiah 56 and in Jeremiah, we see all of these things about God and, and how he's working in our lives and how he's looking for hearts of people that are surrendered to him, that love him, that want to follow him. And this is where I, I think I landed this week. Um, You can start turning to Isaiah 55 right now. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9. But here's a question that I've been wrestling with. And as you guys know, I like to share. Where are we not understanding how or what God is doing in our lives? Where is that? Is it in physical issues? Is it in... Financial issues? Is it in emotional or, or work issues? Where is it that God's working in our lives that we don't understand? How or what He's doing? Is it possible that because He is a sovereign, infinite God, that instead of doing what would make sense to us, which would be finite and simple, He's exacting a journey and a transformation that is supernatural and eternal, that's outside our capacity to understand. Is it possible that that's what he's doing at that moment? And if that's true, should not our response as his children be, Lord, I don't understand what you do, but I'm trusting you. And I will glorify you as an infinite and sovereign God. Look at what Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. His thoughts. Not just the wickedness, the unrighteous things we do, but our unrighteous thoughts that we would give them up, that we would forsake those. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Do you see the grace and mercy that's a, that's bestowed upon us when we turn to him that God offers? And then he says in verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There was a moment again this week as I was sharing with you that I I, I think I met with God in a point of humility that I didn't realize I needed. And somehow it came out of the book of Ruth in an introduction. And the Lord... I think he was honestly challenging me on having a very small view of him again. We just finished Ephesians. How is that possible? Ephesians, the first two chapters, is all about getting a grand view of God outside of time predestined. He's designed all of this stuff. Every spiritual blessing. I mean, there's all these grand statements that are extravagant statements that Paul uses to try and explain to us the grandeur of this king that we have now become children and heirs to the throne of. Adopted sons. And at some point in my own pea brain, I start to think that I've got to picture and I've got a definition or I've got a description or maybe even I think I'm understanding how he's going to work and yet God is infinite according to scripture all-knowing all-powerful full of grace and mercy abundantly pardoning us I love that term you know what I realized those verses and judges that we started with? That every time that I choose to sin, whether it's a physical act, whether it's a thought, whatever that is, that I'm guilty as Israel of doing what is right in my own eyes. That I've returned back to evil just like they did. And I am as desperately in need of a redeemer and an abundant pardon from God as they ever will be or ever were. And so I need him to do things that I don't understand. Because in my simplicity, I would set out a path that would result in comfort, that would result in my view of success and blessing, and would be void Of a supernatural eternal result. And God loves me too much for that. Isn't that amazing? And from there, we would start into the book of Ruth. How did that happen? I thought I was going to pick a four chapter book, put two weeks into each one. Bob's your uncle, I'm done. And somehow God says to me as we interact through his word, now you don't have a right view of who I am. You think too small of me again. I want to open your heart to the fact that I might be doing more than what you can imagine because I'm more than you can imagine. Who's the God that you know this week? Who is God? to you. Is he a God of the religion that we live in? Is he the God of the Christian church that we have grown up in? Or is he he the God of the Bible? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Christian church we live in, but there's many, many times where we as humans do our best to understand him and we put him in boxes. Um, That's actually my great frustration with my wrestling through theology. I have some of the, some super bright minds that I'm hanging out with. They're way smarter than me on so many levels, although I have been married longer than them, so I keep that in front of them. I've got more wisdom than you in this area. But as we wrestle through theology, one of the things that, we're, that we keep running into is we keep wanting to explain about everything about God. We keep wanting to understand every aspect of Him, and that's a right passion and it's a right desire. But if God is infinite, as Scripture says that He is, then we will find a moment where we run into Him and we can't make sense of it. And it is important that at that moment, at whatever moment you're experiencing with God right now where you don't understand what He's doing, we don't know why He's doing things that way, that rather than kicking and fighting and being angry and maybe even explaining it again to Him, that we would respond more like King David and say, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. I'm not worthy to be your child, and yet your grace covers me. I don't understand you, but if you will show me what you're doing, I will teach others. I love how he says that. I totally paraphrase that. You'll have to go back and read Psalm 51 if you want the accurate one. But that should be our response to this God of the Bible. That should be our response to not understanding some of the stuff that we see in here. Because if he was understandable by me, he'd all be in big trouble. We don't want a God that small. We don't want a God that does things the way I think it should be done. I want to understand who he is and trust him for how he is because that's beyond my comprehension and that's amazing. Let's be in awe of God this week because somehow in the midst of the most wretched time in Israel's history, he maintains the line of the Messiah through a Moabite widow. In the middle of Jerusalem, or in the middle of of Israel's nation, as they're pursuing sin at every turn. We can respond to God in a nation that's pursuing sin at every turn. It's been done. And God can do His work in the midst of it. Isn't that incredible? What an amazing thing for us to recognize that today we're walking with a king that's got it. And he's proven it over and over again. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your plan. God, I thank you that you're outside of my time, that you're beyond my scope and my capacity to understand I thank You especially that Your Spirit gives us understanding at different points and enlightens Your truth to us as we could, only, we could never do on our own. So Father, as, as Liberty Lake, is, uh, as this body of believers is pursuing You, I pray, Father, that You would give them wisdom beyond their capacity, that You would give them joy beyond their circumstances, and that, Father, You would give them Your light. to shine into this community beyond their own abilities and, capa- and, and, and capabilities of, of evangelism or, or whatever whatever the gifts are that you've given each individual here. God, that you would be glorified, and at the end of the day, we would be able to say, man, Lord, we don't know how you're doing it or, or even understand why you're doing it this way, but to God be the glory. May you be praised by this church and this body forever and ever, Lord, in your name.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message from Liberty Lake Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. Our pastor, our elders, and our prayer watch team are available to pray with you or to answer any questions you may have. Contact us through www.LibertyLakeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you and welcome any comments you may have. As always, we appreciate your prayer support. Join us next week on God's Word for You for today for another message from Liberty Lake Church. Thank you again, and God bless.